Well, welcome back, everybody. It is November, so we have a new word to talk about. And man, I'm looking forward to this conversation because I think this one can be a really tough one for lots of adults, lots of kids, and lots of families for sure. So I'm super excited to have Beth with me today. And we should, before we get started, I'm really wanting to dive in, but we need to introduce ourselves in case we have some new folks listening today. So my name is Leslie Bolser, and I am the creative director for Core Essential Values, a curriculum company um, that believes that we can teach kids through our words and actions, how we want them to interact with each other, behave in our homes, and um, have become really productive students in school. And I'm with my friend, Beth. Hey, everyone. My name is Dr. Beth Tremel. I'm a licensed psychologist and an associate professor of psychology at Indiana University East, where I'm the director of the Master's in Mental Health Counseling Program. And my focus is to help parents and teachers make words matter for good. So uh, our uh, sort of forces align really well as we try to really help folks um, use their words in a way that... um, gives us the best chances that the kids are going to respond the way we want them to respond. That's really at the heart of what I want to help people do. Yeah, that's, I I love what you do. And I'm so excited to hear your perspective on this word. And, you know, normally we do different age level podcasts, but when you and I talked about this one, we decided just to do one all together, because I think that so much of what we're going to talk about today is is really not about the age of the kid. Um, It's about our parenting response to, to this particular topic. So we'll jump right in. So the word that we're talking about in the month of November is contentment. And when Core Essentials talks about contentment, we're talking about learning to be okay with what you have. And that is such a tough concept, no matter your age, if you're a child or if you're an adult, it's such a tough concept. So even though we're defining it maybe a little differently than Webster's does in terms of being okay with what you have, Beth, I'd just love to hear your perspective. Is there a different or better way we might say that to parents that's a little more clear about what we're hoping from from their kids? Yeah. As you were describing this, I wanted to make all the noises like, ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah. Uh, It's just really hard, right? I mean, contentment is a hard state of being because it feels uh, in our culture, it just feels wrong to just be like, okay, with what I have. We just are a culture that continues to seek more, more, more. You know, I need more time. I need more money. I need more stuff. My kid gets all of these messages on, uh, you know, media, television of, yeah, you don't have enough of this, so you should have more. And so it's really hard to go against all of those messages that they get. And we get lots of those messages from our peers too, um, both as kids and as grownups. And so I think one of the things that we had talked about is, you know, contentment by itself is really the opposite of entitlement. And that word is like a parenting nightmare, right? (laughs) I mean, it's like, I think if we could have our kids be any one thing, it would just be like, as long as they're not entitled, I I think I've done a good job, (laughs) you know? So I started thinking about that word entitled and uh, the definition of entitled that I found was the belief that one is inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. Mm. Yeah. That sounds burfy, man. If my kids (laughs) want to inherently believe that they're deserving of privileges or special treatment, I have, Ooh, I need to have another conversation. So as I think about contentment, it is about, acceptance and uh, just, 
yeah, being okay with what we have in a world of more, which is really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why we're having such a hard time with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's complicated because as educators, there are teachers and parents listening to this who are thinking to themselves, but I want to teach my kid the opposite of contentment. I want to teach them that they can do anything, that if they work hard, if they set a goal, if they push through, if they have grit and determination, then they can accomplish so many things. And contentment to me, teaching contentment feels like I'm telling them that they should just stick with the status quo, that they should just not try hard. But I don't think that's what you're describing. I think they can coexist, right? Working hard, having grit, having motivation, seeking something better or different in your life can coexist with being content in the moment. Yeah. So they definitely can coexist. And for me, when I think about contentment and how we can help our kiddos, it's more about what might happen after they begin working toward a goal. Okay. So for example, right, you have a kiddo who wants to try out for the volleyball team, right? And contentment would say, yes, set a goal, go out for the volleyball team. And after the tryout happens, let's pause and reflect and say, I am okay with how things went. Even if you wish you could have hit every ball, even if you wish you could have done a little bit better, the idea is that we can be okay with how things went and then say, you know what, when I get home, I think I'm going to practice you know, 10 serves against the wall because I didn't love that about how that serve went. Like it can be kind of a tricky balance, but I think if we can pause and be at peace and acceptance, that idea of contentment right after things happen, rather than beating ourselves up or rather than, uh, you know, kind of really being stuck in this negative cycle of thinking, well, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I don't want it to be this way. That really, for me, would be the opposite of contentment. Yeah. Okay. So I want to, I'm going to come back to that. Cause I, I think that's a great example that you just gave of like a team sport tryout or something, but I want to come back to some more examples, but before that, I want to push a little deeper into what you just talked about, which was, um, you know, it, it, just like we compared contentment to working hard or having, you know, perseverance, let's compare disappointment and discontentment, right? So, so if your kid doesn't make the volleyball team, even though they worked hard and they, maybe they come home and it's not content, discontentment that they're showing. It's just disappointment. It's just sadness. So where, how do we, how do we handle that when we're talking about contentment? Yeah. So we're allowed to have negative emotions and still eventually land at contentment. So think about our emotion, our emotional state as being more of like a state of being, right? A short amount of time. So I didn't get the position uh, that I wanted. I didn't get the part in the play. I just found out, got the email. I feel sad about that. I'm disappointed. Yeah, we're allowed to be in that space for, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe a whole day. I mean, maybe this was something you were really looking forward to. You felt like this was your big break. It's okay to be in a state of disappointment. And then we also can say, you know, I'm still content with how, you know, everything else in my life is going. It's this one part of my life that I feel disappointed. Yeah. That you can live in contentment with a lot of other things while also being disappointed 
or sad or angry in these sort of moment to moment things. Yeah, that's really great. And encouraging our kids to just really feel what they're feeling, um, even if it's disappointment, even if it's sadness. Um, and then if there is discontent, right, if there, are, if there are places where they aren't feeling like they're okay with what they have, then the question is, what do you do about that? How do you find a way to find contentment um, when you get that little nudge inside of you that says, this just isn't right. There's something more for me. There's something different for me. Then that's a great moment for parents to come in and say, well, let's figure out how to make that happen. Let's figure out how to do those things. Okay. So I want to back up just a little bit to what you were talking about with the with volleyball team. I feel like there are more examples. So what does this, what does contentment or what does the opposite of envy or the opposite of entitlement look like in a family's daily life? Yeah, I think uh, we can start by thinking about the the sort of culture that we have in our family, right? So one way that I uh, thought about as we think about, okay, where are we in our family? How am I modeling contentment is to think about how many times of the day you use the word more? Mm. How many times a day do you think the word more? Or do you hear your kids talking about the word more? So it's almost like just take a couple of days to reflect and just be specifically um, observing that word more in your everyday interactions with kids or your everyday thought processes. Because yeah. if we're striving for more, we're not living in contentment, right? And so yeah. if we're like, oh my gosh, we need more fruit snacks, <laughs> I feel like that comes up at my house a lot. My kids are like, <laughs> we need more fruit snacks. And I'm like, hey, um, we have lots of other things. So we don't actually need more fruit snacks until we go to the store next. So I think pondering first, how often are you using the word more? And, and don't get too rigid here, right? I mean, like when you're out of toilet paper, you really do need more. Like that's like actual <laughs> a thing, but it's the sense of this underlying uh, need to keep pushing to strive for more rather than just kind of settling into this is how things are right now. And that's okay too. I can be okay with how things are. I can be content with how things are. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's really important. Okay. So I'm thinking of the next couple of months when we go into a season of gifting and a season of receiving mm -hmm. um, and I'm thinking of children um, in my mind, I was thinking of really small children, but then in my subconscious my own teenage children popped into my brain as well. So I don't think there's an age limit on this, but let's just talk about how can we as parents, what are some simple things we can do, some tips and tricks for how we can model and how we can teach contentment in the next couple of months? Yeah. So I think it's tricky here too, because we often ask kids for their wish list, right? Yeah. You say, okay, well, what do you want? for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday? And then if they don't get what's on their list, then they are disappointed. Yeah. And then we're mad because we're like, look at all these things you got and you're mad about your list. But, but from the child's perspective, it's like, I've kind of told you what I wanted, even if it's unreasonable. Right? They, yeah. they don't think this is unreasonable. They think you've asked me what I want. I'm telling you what I want. And now I didn't get anything on my list. And right. then I want a horse. If I don't <laughs> get it, I'm really sad. 
That's right. Yeah. So what, what happens is this disconnect between a child's expectations, because that's what their list is. The list becomes expectations and our expectations of how they will respond to disappointment. And those two things aren't even close to being related. So what we need to do is clarify those expectations for them as we are approaching gift giving and gift receiving season. So I share with parents every Christmas, I have this video that I do where I'm like, you need to say out loud to your kids what you expect of them on Christmas morning. If you don't celebrate Christmas, whatever day you celebrate, share your expectations explicitly. So my mom always had these expectations of us when we were little. Um, we shared bedrooms. I have three siblings and it was my sister and I in one room and my, my two brothers were in the room right next to us. And my mom's expectations were that we would not get out of our room until 6 a.m. And so she would say every year, do not get out of the bed um, no, she said, don't come out of your room until 6am. And so we would literally have our toes on the edge of the bedroom, watching <laughs> the clock, right? We got out of bed. We were waiting. We were quiet, probably not. But so the expectations were clear that I can't come out of the room until then. Now, I think what happens is we forget about the emotional expectations that we have of our kids. And so I encourage us to say things like, Hey, Grandma told me that she's bringing you a gift. And so when you open the gift, I, I expect that you will look at grandma and her eyes and you will say, thank you for my gift. Even if you feel disappointed, save your disappointment and we can talk about it later. Look up at grandma and her eyes and say, thank you for the gift. It matters to me or whatever your expectations are, right? So Maybe yeah. it's in the morning on the day of the holiday and you say, my expectations is, are that you don't come out of the room until 6 a.m. And that when you open a gift that you don't like, you don't throw it across the room because you don't like it. Instead, what I want you to do is say, I'm a little disappointed by this, but I'm thankful that we have gifts. Whatever it is, like we have to anticipate they're not going to love everything we put under the tree. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. That's really great. I was just thinking about um, a wise friend of mine who instilled in me as a parent and a, another a, a group of parents that we are connected with about the importance of sharing a high and a low moment um, and how much I think that has contributed in my family to a culture of gratitude and noticing. Um, because man, when you're in a grouchy mood and somebody asks you for the high moment of your day, you got to think a little bit, right? But then you are able to gain some perspective and a little bit of contentment, even in a moment that maybe isn't so great, right? But you can say, okay, these terrible things, this is the stuff that really got me down today. But you know what? There was this one moment that was pretty good and here's what it was. And I do think it does help to build that culture of contentment in a family to do little moments like that, little exercises like that to help kids notice the things that are you know, worth being grateful for. Yeah. I mean, I think November is a perfect time to be thinking about gratitude, especially and you know, gratitude can remind us of our spaces of contentment. And so, you know, there's lots of, of tiny ways you can um, get post-it notes and write what you're grateful for every morning on your child's door, draw them a little picture. If your kiddo is too young, have them reflect as they get home from school every day, or while you're in line buying dinner through the drive-through ask, you know, what kinds of things are you grateful for? What can we be happy about 
what are the things that are going well in our lives that we just feel good about? I mean, I feel like November is a good time to just sort of get into a practice of doing that. Um, I think it's really smart to do it that way. So one more question um, before we end. And this, I want you to clear up whether this is a truth or a myth. Okay. So I've seen, I've seen this practice happen on television. I've seen this practice happen um, with other friends. I have never, I have never done this myself, but I have seen other people do this. And that is when emotions are high and your child is not grateful or is discontent. And the reaction is to then say, you are so lucky to have whatever it is. Think of all the kids in the world who don't have whatever that is. Um, And then usually there's a a speech of three or four more sentences that follow that statement. Um, Does that work? Oh, I'm cringing. (laughs) (laughs) This is, well, and I was muted and I was saying out loud in my head, don't you say it, girl. Don't you say it. (laughs) It's so common though, right? So in a heightened emotional state, isn't that the default for a parent to then guilt their child for whatever lack of contentment they're showing? It really is. So no, we know it doesn't work. It we we know it doesn't work. And yet when we're frustrated, it just becomes like the first thought that comes to mind is, oh my gosh, my kid is entitled. Or, oh my gosh, my kid is a brat or they're ungrateful or, you know, whatever. I did all this stuff. I did all this work or I spent all this money or all this time or all this whatever. So in a parent's heightened state, in a parent's emotional frustration, what do you suggest? Is that a take a moment away kind of situation? Or is that here's a good sentence to say instead? What do you suggest? Yeah. So it's, it's at least minimally it's take a breath. You know, and when I am heightened in any way, right, if I'm starting to get frustrated with my own kiddos, you know, I have two, almost two teenagers, 13, 12, seven, and five. And so I have kind of the the gamut of, of kiddos. And if I'm feeling any range, I usually will say out loud, like, okay, let's just take a breath. And then I actually take a breath and I kind of ask my kiddo to take a breath too. Um, and then I would, I would take a pause. If you can't come up with something better than you're being really ungrateful right now, mm-hmm. um, hold it, hold that statement. And then I think it's fair to say something like, Hey, you know, I actually spent a fair amount of time trying to come up with something fun for us to do today. And when you're rolling your eyes and when you're sort of huffing and reminding me how much you don't want to be here, it feels really hurtful to me. Right. And I don't think you mean to be hurtful or disrespectful, but you know, if you could maybe try to take a breath, try to think a different thought in your mind that might help you have a better attitude right now, it would really help me a lot because I'm getting frustrated and I know you're already frustrated and that's not a good place for either of us to be. Yeah. So probably ultimately underneath all of that, it's a mismatch of expectations again. Right. Um, But in the moment, I don't think we recognize that. I think we just want them to feel bad. So we say things that make them feel bad. Yeah. Thinking that they're going to change their attitude. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's, I'm laughing because I have done something like this before, you know, where I'm like, gosh, why are you in such a bad mood? And it's like, 
that's actually not helpful in changing their <laughs> attitude at all. Like labeling them as having a bad attitude uh, is not helpful. So instead, it's thinking about honoring how you are feeling in that situation and letting them know what your expectations are in a different way that I'm not saying they always have to just be happy all the time, right? I don't think that's what contentment really is about, right? It's more about a a peaceful state of being over time, knowing that our emotions are going to come and go, right? Our teenagers' emotions are going to come and go. Our toddlers' emotions are going to come and go a lot. Right, right, right. Overall, we're trying to create this sense of, of kind of peacefulness and gratitude and contentment without trying to manipulate them into feeling bad because other people have it worse than you. Yeah. Like, right. You and I could have that conversation about things that you and I struggle with, right? Like, it doesn't make me feel better if I'm struggling with an evaluation that my supervisor gave me as an adult. And then you're like, well, actually, other people probably had a worse evaluation than you. And you're like, well, first of all, we're not talking about other people. We're talking about me. And um, just allow space for that to, to just kind of settle in. And once our emotion has settled we've taken that breath, we've thought about a different way that we can say certain things, then we can come to, let's brainstorm some solutions here to help you feel better and get you back to a place of contentment. Yeah, no, that's great. Okay. So in closing, I have a fun little thing for us to do. Oh, I like it. Okay. So let's share, what was your high moment today? What was the best thing that happened to you today, Beth? Ooh, I love this. Okay. So my high today was honestly, that I've been able to come here. I have had two weeks of a voice that sounds way worse than this. Mm -hmm. My voice is still only at about 85%, but I really was, I was really excited about being able to come today and be a part of this. That's great. So my high was just before we started, my high school senior was texting me um, during her free period at high school about the work she's doing on her college applications and scholarship applications. And um, I'm just loving seeing her um, take some steps that are, you know, on her own and just independence and stuff like that. So um, it didn't make me sad. It made me feel really good to see her taking some taking some time to do that. So um, audience, if you don't know, Beth and I get to sit and speak to each other and do this podcast, but we are only able to do it because of the amazing work of a guy named Phil Quinn, who is our audio engineer. Yeah, (laughs) Phil. He sits in these with us and he listens and he provides feedback for us. um, And he's just, he's so incredibly helpful and skilled at what he does. So I'm going to have Phil pop in with us right now. Phil, what was your high today? Well, getting to be with you is good when you can join a Zoom call and know that you're not the smartest person in the room. It really helps to just shut up and mute and learn. (laughs) So that was really good. It's all of these words um, uh, are the scope of becoming good and better people. And so even if you have kids that are much older, like I do, um, there's still something you can take away each and every month that you do this. And so um, I'm very happy and hope that people will continue to subscribe and listen and, and then share uh, those podcasts and experiences because that helps um, that helps grow. We're all in it together, right? Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Um, so thanks for playing along with me, guys. Uh, and I hope listeners 
that you all are able to take a moment today too and think about what has brought you joy, what brings you contentment and what you can be grateful for. And whatever that thing is, I hope you're able to tell someone that um, someone that helped make that happen so that they know how important they are to you. All right. So we're going to close for today and we'll be back next month. But in the meantime, if you want to know more about Core Essentials, you can find us on social media at CE Values and on our website, coreessentials.org. Beth, how can folks connect with you? Yeah, my website is makewordsmatterforgood.com and I'm on Facebook mostly, MWM with kids. And I love, I felt really good about our highs with, with all of us. It made my heart very happy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we are looking forward to uh, checking in with everybody again next month. And I don't know, Phil, we're going to keep you on your toes. You got to be ready. You, you never in. know when we're going to call you out. <laughs> right. I'll be ready. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Have a great month. All right, bye. Bye.